It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs, more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed jackson gatlin here host of the monday edition locked on nba podcast every monday i cover the three biggest stories in the nba with the local experts from locked on it's an awesome recap of the weekend of the nba and a look at what's ahead mark your calendars on monday to join me for locked on nba podcast available on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts What it do, baby? Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 774 of Locked On Raptors. Uh, I'm Katie Heindel. Uh, I'm joined today by Vivek Jacob. We're going to talk everybody through that Raptors-Celtics game one. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna treat this as the equivalent as if we were like gently holding your hand and and, and kind of guiding you through everything that happened. Um, so I don't Much really know where. Pardon. <laughs> Much needed at this time. <laughs> Much needed. I was like, where should we start? But I think we'll just start from the beginning. Which, full disclosure, I had to listen to this game uh, on the radio. I was driving. I was a passenger. I was not driving. I'll make that clear. But it was extremely disorienting. And at first I thought it was just me, but I think that really set the tone for the whole game. <laughs> disorienting <laughs> game. I think that's where we should start your radio experience. Okay. What it was like <laughs> to take it in. I I think I've done it, done this like half before, like maybe like getting home from somewhere and you like got to toss the game on, but this had to mm-hmm. do with um a pre-planned trip dylan and i drove up north so we knew we were leaving at this time and then obviously the games all got rescheduled so we're kind of like well we have to leave we left exactly as the game was getting started um and i didn't really like it because it's just like at least watching visually you're like okay here's tip and it's begun but on the radio they're just like 
you just wait and hear, and then you hear their reactions to what's just happened. So it's like, you don't have a sense of time. You don't have a sense of like any flow whatsoever. Mm. You kind of have to go by like what, what the guys are like, how they're, what their responses are to everything. You know, you're missing out on everything. Like, especially in this game, I will say the one nice thing is I think it really like softened the more hurtful moments, which I'm sure we'll get to such as the windmill dunk, but things that would have been painful to watch, you don't get to see. So that's, that's at least okay. But I'd say overall super disorienting, couldn't get into it, made the pace feel super weird. And if anything, I feel like my experience rap, uh, mirrored the Raptors experience uh, playing the Celtics today. That makes sense. It's interesting <laughs> what you say about like not having a sense of timing. Mm-hmm. Because I find that I think there's a couple of times where I've been listening on the radio and it's been a tight game. So -hmm. then that just amps up the suspense, like when a shot goes up or whatever it may be. But in this case, there was no suspense because of the way the Celtics came out and just obliterated the Raptors. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think, you know, when when you look at this game, I thought it was a perfect microcosm of all the problems the Celtics can cause the Raptors. We've talked about how the Raptors are have been the best transition team this season. The Celtics are the best transition defense in the league. And mm-hmm. so they took that away. You look at uh, the Raptors defensively, they couldn't really take anything away from the Celtics in this one. It seemed like Kemba Walker was getting to his spots. It seemed like Jason Tatum was getting what he wanted. Uh, Thais was winning the matchup with Marc Gasol. And by the time Serge Ibaka found any kind of energy for the Raptors, it was all, it was already like they had dug themselves such a big hole. Um, and, and even the little, the few times that they were able to sort of make it seem like they could make a game of it, the Celtics just punched back. And so, um, yeah, I think the Raptors know they're in for a, a long, tough series, uh, a very difficult challenge. And, you know, maybe one thing now, uh, I, I, th- I thought this before we went into the game and it was evident as we went through it. Uh, I think a lot of people have said that, oh, the Celtics and the Raptors are really similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of disagree with that. I think they're very even. Uh, they're very evenly matched, but I actually think that the Celtics are like this yin to the Raptors yang. And, and what makes the matchup so compelling is the way that they sort of uh, do take away from each other's strengths. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that's where I think I'm more confident that the Raptors will find a way to adjust and uh, compete in game two and we'll see what happens. But yeah, for game one, uh, clearly <laughs> the Celtics threw a very heavy first punch. Um, what, what what maybe stood out to you the most on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> um, like a lot of, I think like what stood out on the radio was what probably actually stood out for you and watching. It was just like, they couldn't, they couldn't really get their feet under them to figure out a rhythm for the game. And I think, you know, to your point of the Celtics, like I agree. I think, I don't think the Celtics are a similar team at all. I think they, it is like, they, the yin yang is like a good metaphor because it's usually kind of call and response with these guys when the mm-hmm. Raptors face them. And they usually, you know, 
Boston will put something up, Toronto will have an answer for it. And it didn't seem like Toronto had a lot of ready answers today for, for what I feel like wasn't like, it wasn't like Boston came out and was like, surprise, like we've, you know, we've like really <laughs> messed up our, our rotations or like, we're going to throw this thing at you. You've never seen before. Like everything was what we've seen before, which yep. was why I'm surprised that it seemed to really throw Toronto for such a loop right off the bat. I think Boston seemed to come out super cohesive um, with a lot of focused energy, whereas Toronto came out, it did like, Toronto came out with energy, but and I think as, as the game went on, it just became more and more frantic. Like they just couldn't, you know, at the very end, you saw Lowry like just trying whatever he could, but it, it seemed like he didn't really even have a plan for like how he wanted things to end up with like these kind of wild plays that he was trying to make. So, you know, I think, and there was like a lot of hero ball towards the end, whereas I think in a game like this, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more just about like how to make up deficits like this. But mm-hmm. one thing that struck me was just like they, all the little things that you could kind of do to shorten the gap, you know, like there were so many like the turnovers, right? Like Boston had what, like 22 turnovers. And I don't like Toronto had like two, I, I, this was when I was last paying attention, but they had like two points off that at some point. I don't know if that got any better, but like yeah. things like that, right? Like you, if you're going to get those turnovers, like you've got to go after them um, mm-hmm. or just like, you know, Pascal not finishing at the rim, just like these little careful things instead yeah. of trying to go for these like Hail Mary shots from way out <laughs> um, yeah. and like close things really quickly. Like that's obviously what, like that wasn't working. They didn't have the whistle with them. So it's like, you've got to just kind of go in on these small things that the Raptors can do. They've done that kind of stuff before, but it just seemed like they didn't have their legs under them enough to like, just, I guess, like, go after, yeah, go after the small, maybe more annoying things, but, like, things that you know will actually start to build, like, mm-hmm. especially offensive momentum and yeah. give you that rhythm that was that was missing. Yeah, I think, especially with the Raptors this season, I feel like, whereas, you know, with old Raptors teams, we were so accustomed to seeing them sort of ride the momentum of their offense mm-hmm. and then they really get it going defensively. This team takes so much pride in its defense that when they can't get that defensive rhythm going, then it's like, then things seem to come apart on the other end too. Um, And I felt like when they couldn't get those calls early to be physical enough on defense the way they usually are, Mm -hmm. I think that sort of, you know, I think that frustration got to them. I think, uh, I, th- I honestly think with some of the hero ball we saw, uh, especially towards the end, I think that had more to do with, I, th- I think on some level they kind of let go of the game. And mm-hmm. I think on some level Fred was thinking, hey, I got to get my rhythm back. Pascal was thinking, I got to get, ri-. like there, there, there was a stretch where he took, I think, you know, four shots in a row, uh, you know, on, on different possessions down the court. And to me, that that was telling me that okay, he was he was just you know focused on let me try and get something going here, let me get myself feeling good going into game two, and so uh, you know those are the things that maybe you know maybe, maybe on some level they were reading the game right, maybe they were just like hey, this isn't going to happen, not with the way the ball, uh, the Celtics are shooting the ball mm-hmm. especially, um, and not with the way the Raptors were shooting the ball, they finished. <laughs> the game 25% from three, 10 for 40. 
the Celtics shot 17 for 39 from three. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe let's get into that half-court offense a little bit just because, you know, that is something that I think most of us have earmarked from the get-go as being a problem for the Raptors and that, that being, you know, maybe their Achilles heel entering this postseason. We've, we've hoped, I think, that, that it would go away and we attributed some of the struggles from the season to the injuries and the absence of Marcus Gasol for big games, the absence of Norman Powell for big games. But obviously, you, you, don't, you don't want to take too much away from this game, but 77 points per 100 half-court possessions today. Um, and the way Marcus Gasol sort of struggled to get going, the way the team in general struggled to go, get going, uh, is this a, a real problem for the Raptors? Do you think it's a one-off? And that, you know, Mark and Norm being there does sort of help stabilize that half-court offense? I want to talk about, um, like, the half-court offense in, in essence of, like, the support that's needed there. But mm-hmm. first, speaking of support, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. The Raptors do, too. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. Maybe this could be for Ibaka after taking some some tough chops today. Um, And CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering to all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Okay. So to half court Very nice segment. support. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, this was a problem. This was a problem uh, when the Raptors played the Celtics last, uh, just in like the, the, the regular season in the mm-hmm. bubble though. Um it's where they were kind of falling flat. It's where you saw a lot of these like mismatches kind of standing out and that Toronto didn't necessarily have an easy, they looked weird. Like they, it makes Boston in can make Toronto in the half court look like choppy. Like they lose a lot of their flow and it makes, Mm -hmm. it makes kind of everything we've seen with them from just like, you know, this kind of intuitive sense on the floor with each other, like the really good ball movement that, you know, I feel like Toronto is usually like, head and shoulders above other teams with it just kind of falls super flat uh like celtics have a really celtics do what i want the raptors to do the celtics which is completely disrupt disrupt toronto on that Mm -hmm. end um and i don't i don't necessarily know what the answer is i know that sometimes in transition um like somebody like somebody will be coming whether it's like siakam or fred's done this a couple times even Kyle, like they're coming flying down the floor and they'll just kind of stop. OG's done it too. And then everybody will reset. Instead, I think they should just be driving at that point, right? Especially in a game like this where, yeah, you want to get, you want to put shots up. Hopefully three points, like you want your three point shots to fall. But for that, I think any shot has to fall and that's not 
happening today. So I think like if you have the opportunity to take the drive and finish at the rim, you should just do that. Like I think mm-hmm. where they're getting kind of stuttery is in stopping. And then I give that gives like the Celtics a chance to like really pounce on them and kind of like double team guys and trap guys. Like they, they really understood where to be. Whereas on like, when you saw the Raptors try and do that on the Celtics, like their their half court offense is, I don't know. It, it made it made like Marcus Hall. That was when Marcus Hall was like, did his like quadruple take? Like he just like didn't know where to be. Yeah. Like I don't know what was going on with your guy, but yeah. Anyway, but yeah, the half court, it doesn't look great. What do you think? Like, do you have any like tangible? Like if you were if you were a nurse, do you, do you think you have any like tangible fixes that you would look at immediately? No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So, ironically, I would probably look to make some changes defensively to that, that I think that could translate to offensive success. But one quick thing I just want to touch on with regards to the offense in terms of their problem or, you know, the problem that the Celtics are trying to create for the Raptors. You know, we talk a lot about teams having an offensive identity. And for the Raptors, it's their ball movement. It's uh, the way they really play for each other. And again, this is another difference between them and the Celtics, right? The Celtics are perfectly adept at having an individual create offense for themselves between Kemba, between uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Obviously, Gordon Hayward's not there, but they have a lot of guys that can do that. With the Raptors, uh, the Celtics, you know, they're, they're pushing Marcus All uh, to step outside of his box. They're pushing Fred Van Vliet to sort of step outside of his box and, you know, really create on the drive. And uh, I think those are the things uh, that are going to create a problem. And again, with OG Ananobi, uh, when he's getting the ball off these kickouts or whatever it may be, again, they're challenging him. But you, we've seen him, and this is a question that I was wondering coming into this series, we've seen him take a big off the bounce and and use that spin move and get to the rim. But will that spin move and will that dribble be as effective when he's going up, up against guards and forwards like Marcus Smart and uh Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown off those switches. Um, Serge Ibaka, another one who's sort of challenged where, you know, every time he's got a shot, it's like, hey, yeah, they're leaving you open because they want you to shoot it. They'll take that over all the other options, and it's great when he's going. And anytime he's in a position to be a playmaker, 
Um, we saw that post up where he got the ball not not he, he way too far from the basket. That really should be a position where he catches it, gets it back out, tries to repost and get deeper, and then ask for the ball back. But he posted up, tried to get closer to the basket, couldn't. And then he, when he tries to make a pass, it, it results in a turnover. So all these uncomfortable situations that they're being forced into, I just think they've, they've, they've got to find a way to create more transition. Mm-hmm. And to me, that starts with putting, we talk a lot about putting players in the best positions to succeed offensively. I think the Raptors have to do that defensively. We saw uh, Nurse use some zone to help the Raptors get back into it. But I think right off the top, defensively, OG Ananobi has to be on Jason Tatum right from the Mm -hmm. get-go. Nurse tried to use him sort of uh, as a secondary defender. And I think part of it, too, was I think he was getting ahead of himself where it's like, hey, if he's on Kemba and if he's on Marcus Smart, then right off, you know, those pick-and-roll actions where he can can switch and then he'll be on Tatum and it'll be fine. But that wasn't really happening. And so... I think OG has got to be on Tatum right off the top. Um, and he's got to really fight hard through those switches. He's got to make sure he's on him as much as possible. I think Kyle Lowry's got enough to defend Jalen Brown. Uh, Fred Van Fleet, I think his best strengths are when he's guarding the ball. Uh, and so I think he's got to be on Kemba Walker. And Pascal Siakam's at his best when he's operating as a help defender. Mm-hmm. And he's able to, you know get into those passing lanes and then leak out. And so all, so I think if you set them up that way defensively, I think that's how you create some transition and get them some easy buckets. And then I think uh, the half court will come a bit easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I think, I think the debate that that's there to be had is whether Marcus all or Serge Ibaka should be starting. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought the tweet that Blake had was perfect with the whole, you know, Joel Embiid and Marcus All and Daniel Thice having this rock paper scissors thing going. <laughs> <laughs> um, I missed that. That's too bad. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think it's it's fine maybe in this series not to have a set starter between the two of two of them. I think like what we've seen of the Raptors now is like, you know, they're start quote starters and like second units are pretty fluid and I like that and I think you know that I'd argue even that could be crucial in a series like this um Mm -hmm. I mean I also am always like how much are you really keeping these guys guessing like because a lot of this is just on the fly you know what I mean like if you you set your starters like Boston's going to adjust to that like how they will and vice versa so a lot of this is just like in-game response to that I don't know I don't want to knock Gasol totally like he did look a little bit lost but and Serge looked mm-hmm. Serge looked really strong and like pretty unflappable which is I think needed against the Celtics uh, again just in terms of like they're being good at very good at being disruptive and like kind of being able to to rattle uh, Toronto out there but I I think Gasol's been playing really well for the most part I like but I also like what you to your point of Serge's kind of playmaking ability him getting to like show that off a bit um I don't know. I don't want to be the one who says, who chooses of like right. who should have, who should be starting at this point. I mean, maybe next game start surge um, just to give him like, he played really, he's like, you know, there's our second, you no. Know, oh, 
Yeah, he was a secondary scorer in this game, like after Lowry. And I think, like, yeah, some of his sh- they were leaving him open because maybe they didn't anticipate his shots were going to go, but some went. Um, and he was like really good around the glass and like kind of doing the second chance thing that you need him to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I did. Yeah. No. I. I think. I don't think there's at this point in time there's a wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Like I think. I think it's perfectly fine if. Gasol starts game two. I would just, I would definitely have a short leash, right? Uh, yeah. If you know, if, th- if things sort of start out in similar fashion, I'd definitely be ready to turn to surge right away and mm-hmm. then start in the second half of the game. Um, I guess I'm thinking of it more from just a matchup standpoint because yeah. so yeah. we've seen Brad Stevens show his hand that he's just not going to let Ennis Cantor be on the floor for meaningful <laughs> minutes. Uh, because of what they'd give up defensively. And so uh, with Robert Williams now functioning as the backup center, is Marc Gasol maybe able to attack Robert Williams a bit better? Uh, you know, someone who's not uh, as strong as Dice mm-hmm. uh, and probably can't get into him. And would surge someone as, let's face it, he's more mobile then Mark, he, he probably can cause Dice more problems. Uh, how would that function? And and let's face it, Serge has started plenty this season, right? So it's it's not like this would be a major adjustment for the other four starters to get used to. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's definitely something that you don't need to go to right now, but it should be on the table. It, it should be ready to come out if things don't you know start out the way you want. Mm-hmm. another thing that i had kind of anticipated and i know this is just game one but that i anticipated um being kind of important in this series was just looking into the deeper rotations um for the raptors versus the celtics and just in terms of i think how much more stacked and deep uh the raptors roster is comparatively but mm-hmm. before we get to that if you want to talk about stacked flavors <laughs> We got to talk about Built Bar, which I look like I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I still haven't tried them, and I can't. You know, I know they taste good. You're talking about them. Sean's talking about them. Please send me some Built Bars so I can try. Out of the six new flavors: caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. This is a stacked stacked lineup of flavors. Built Bars are healthy. They are great for the health conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, perhaps an after-game treat to just, you know, ease out of something you didn't want to happen, you didn't want to see. Uh, to, to, to order, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, no space, and you'll get $10 off your next order. So that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. So, stacked lineups. But seriously, I thought... I thought that they were maybe, especially given how, you know, a lot of the more rotational players were not really producing, though I think Nurse wanted to give them a chance to dig themselves out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't even mean like with the, with the Raptors when you're like, oh, clear the bench. It's not like you're just tossing, you're not tossing in players to just like pick up garbage time. Like those are meaningful minutes and they've like the Raptors bench or deep bench or whatever we're going to call them have shown that they can 
create momentum and they can like really turn a game around. I, I'm surprised though. We didn't see them even earlier. I'm surprised we didn't see them maybe even going into the half. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I would have, especially with the way the, the matchup at the bigs was going, I would have liked to see some time for Chris Boucher. I wonder, you know, especially with how long the starters were in the game at the end as well. I wonder how much of it was also Nurse thinking it's been a week since these guys have played a real game. That's true. Uh, They need their reps. And so uh, that's something I think about. And so, yeah, I I definitely think there's pieces to use. I liked that we saw a decent amount of playing time for Terrence Davis in this one. I think he's someone who can be uh, meaningful in the series. Uh, you know, I think I think we know the X factors are going to be Norm and Serge off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as just having meaningful contributions, I think Terrence Davis can be important. Uh, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see possibly what Chris Boucher... Again, we talk about matchups. Um, and, and we saw the Raptors go with two bigs with Mark and Serge. With the way Robert Williams plays, you know, you could see how Chris Boucher uh, could fit in on the floor in those minutes, depending on the way the game is going. I, I don't think you want to match him up against Daniel Dice at all. <laughs> Probably not, no. But, but. yeah. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, though, like, we know it's going to be a long series. It's like, it's that's what today showed us. I think that's a good takeaway. Um mm-hmm. Without like panicking, that's a good takeaway to take from today, and that's what we anticipated. Yeah. Um, so I think also just a, another point towards just like the depth of Toronto's roster. Um, once everybody I think is back in the groove, because that's something Nurse said to in a, a couple like post like practices ago. It's just like it's taken a little longer since the stoppage for guys to even just like work. They've been working on stuff just like passing. And like handles mm-hmm. and like you know like just really basic stuff to just get yeah. the cobwebs out he said so that's a really good point and i think that's definitely what they're working on today but in like a really like lengthy series it's gonna be good for like nurse to be able to call on guys up from up from you know out of the rotation that don't get played as much and i think that will especially when like you know boston Boston doesn't really like, yeah, they have a, they do have a deep and good roster, but you know, when Kemba, when Kemba gets tired, when Tatum gets tired, like when Jalen Brown, you know, gets tired and when Tice is just like getting chopped, you know, cause eventually you, you go up against Serge for however many games and Mark, like you're going to get tired too. He's not, I wouldn't call him like elite in the sense of the extras that he, he can produce versus the extras that like um, Gasol and Abaka can can produce on the floor. But I think that that's something too that we haven't seen yet, obviously, with just the staying power um, that the Raptors will have like when this goes very long. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think that's fair. I think um, they got meaningful contributions from Robert, Robert Williams and Brad Wanamaker in this one. But over the course of you know, six, seven games, however long this series goes, you would expect the Raptors bench to have a more pronounced effect uh, 
uh, impact on this series. And so, yeah, I think, again, it, it, you know, game one, we, we sort, of, sort of see uh, the first sort of chess moves. Mm-hmm. And now it's about Nick Nurse going back to the draw, drawing board and figuring out what comes next. And I think, you know, there was plenty of talk post-game about the players having to get back into basketball mode, just playing again after what's obviously been an extremely difficult week mm-hmm. uh, emotionally. And But like Kyle Lowry said, it's something that's being dealt with on both sides. It's not as if, you know, it was, it was a situation that the Raptors were dealing with exclusively. The Celtics, mm-hmm. you know, frankly, they, they looked great. They looked crisp. You would never have thought that they were uh, uh, off for uh, as long as they were. And um, I think, you know, if, if anything, my impression of them without Hayward has uh, leveled up. I will say that. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I thought there were some potential weaknesses without Hayward as that extra ball handler and, you know, the operator in the pick and roll. But, uh, yeah, to, for them to look as seamless as they, as they did, again, the Raptors weren't up to the mark. I think I, I think we just, I think in a lot of ways we just learned what we expected going into yeah. this, that, that it's going to be a, a difficult, long series, and you expect the Raptors to put on a much better showing in game two. I think so. I think so, too. And I think a good silver lining is there were many times listening uh, where I would then go to check the score on Twitter just because this is another thing with radio. They're not necessarily updating you on the score as much as you'd like them to. Um, but where I would be surprised, like, oh, wait, we should be down a lot more. Um, just by virtue of, like, how they were playing, what they were giving up, and how Boston was playing. So I think that's something, too. Like, even if the Raptors are playing at a level that we know is not even close to 100% and not cohesive and not kind of – we're not like seeing this kind of nice, fluid, intuitive basketball that we're used to, to still mm-hmm. not be completely out of it. Like to have all these opportunities, obviously to claw back and not have used them sucked. It mm-hmm. really, it's like not fun to watch that, but that we had so many opportunities to uh, come back. I think yeah. that's an important thing to remember. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing some ugly wins and that's fine. I'm fine with that. It doesn't have to be, the series doesn't have to be pretty. No. First of four. First of four. Yes. That's, that's what you got to remember after a game it. like this. <laughs> that's it. Uh, I don't know. Do you, I don't want to like, I don't want to go too far into it because I feel like it's just one. It was just one game. Right. So is there, are there any other kind of like parting thoughts or parting takeaways that you had? Uh, no, I think, you know, I, I think OG was pretty good in this game. I think he was mm-hmm. a bright spot. Uh, I think Pascal obviously was disappointing. Um, I do wonder if the best way to go about him with these touches in the half court is to have him. It, it seemed like it was almost exclusively uh, on those post ups. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if there's something more to be gained with uh, mixing it up with. You know, some action that has him going downhill from from the top. And 
you know, I, I know the goal is to get him to the rim, but uh, with those post-ups, I'd, I'd just like to see, I think, a bit more action from uh, from him up top trying to get to the basket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I also would agree on OG. Um, I don't want to lean too far onto my own horn but that was like he's someone who I thought is was going to be a difference maker in this series and I think will continue to be so it was great to see him just kind of like dig in and go for it many times you know we forget mm-hmm. how strong he is we forget his versatility um like what he, he kind of brings a different ele- like definitely a different element maybe a different dimension to the game so it, it was great to see him utilizing that and yeah with with Pascal I'm not sure he shouldn't be be he's got to yeah he's got to get to the rim in a different way. I know that's very <laughs> vague, but that's what I feel. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My takes are very abstract because I didn't see it, which is weird too because you're just That's perfectly fair. You're processing it in your head when you're listening and I'm mm-hmm. like I'm picturing what it looked like, but it probably didn't look like that at all. So, uh, <laughs> that's why that's why I'm speaking this way. Anyway, <laughs> Well, the Robert Williams windmill <laughs> definitely looked like how you imagined. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, even the radio couldn't really shield me from the pain of that completely. It also sounded <laughs> like he had so much time to get there from when they they had did they did one call to like, oh, okay, well, he's just done a he's just done a windmill, <laughs> so <laughs> that was like, you know, that still hurt. But all that said, not the greatest showing, but. Definitely has plenty to improve upon. And I think plenty known, no mysteries, which is great. Because it's not like, oh, how, how do we fix this? It's like there's plenty foreigners and the team to work on until Tuesday's yet. Did they say the time yet for Tuesday's game? I don't believe. Uh, so we know that it will either be at 3 or 5.30. Mm-hmm. And that is dependent on the results of the Mavs-Clippers game and... I, f- I forget if it's the Rockets right. Thunder or the Nuggets Jazz game. Well, whatever gets us to that 5.30 spot, I, I want that because I feel like, you know, Raptors are not an early afternoon team. <laughs> well, I mean, right now the Clippers are up on the Mavs. Mm-hmm. So as long as the Game 7 is avoided in that, I believe the game will be at 5. Great. All right, come on, Kawhi. You can give us this last gift. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think it's a good place to end it. Um, mm-hmm. We, I hope we were uh, reassuring as you needed us to be today. Um, Vivek and Sean both do this a lot better, but basically, I think it's please <laughs> like, no, rate, and review. <laughs> yes, you do. You do the outro a lot better than I do. I'm just like goodbye, see you later. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> subscribe if you haven't like rate review um locked on raptors our time our time is not completely up but our time in the driver's seat is coming to a close maybe you like that maybe you don't you can complain to sean about it either way <laughs> but sean will. will be back yeah yeah we'll complain to sean about it <laughs> <laughs> but sean will be back i believe uh tomorrow this is coming out monday this is coming out today Monday, but this is also Monday's pod, but Sean will uh, be back on Tuesday and things will be more regular for you. But I think we should pat ourselves on the back. You did a phenomenal job. I did all right. We didn't. I think we both did great. Yeah. (laughs) 
we managed and we'll be we'll be back as obviously weekly guests in our regular scheduled well i guess that's depending how sean feels after this week yeah we'll see how it feels especially after this long long outro um (laughs) but thanks so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time at locked on raptors Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.